Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Hey, good evening. Welcome to Rescue Radio. Um, I'm Margie. And I'm Jerry. And let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that you've given us, this equipment, this time and space and place where we can meet together to listen, to hear, to discuss, to exchange ideas and thoughts about your soon coming, about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, as we ponder these most urgent and important events, the blood moons and your return. We pray, Father God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you'd remove from us, Lord God, the um, the obstacles, the walls, the, the the glasses that we've been using to look at these things that have distorted the truth. Father, that we'd see truly and understand clearly what it what the kingdom of God really is and what's really coming upon us, Lord. So I pray that we would not be afraid. I pray that we'd speak as the oracles of God. I pray that you would uh, anoint our mouths and our minds. And as Doug joins us at 7.30, I pray that you would just give us uh, a deeper excitement about your soon return, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we do truly have a guest tonight. Yeah. Margie, tell us tell us a little bit more about uh, our guest is Doug Woodward. Yes, Doug. Oh, my goodness. The boy is brilliant, and he's written so many books. I can't even, I really don't know the names of all of them. I've read some of them. And tonight, he's going to be joining us about 7.30, for those of you who are just tuning in now, uh, to talk about the, the second set of blood moons that are coming upon us and what that signifies, what that really means in terms of uh, if it is significant uh, for the believers and the end of days. Well, there's there certain signs that are you know given to us you know in the heavens yeah. that God has used in connection with the, even, even with Jewish feast days and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh so things are lining up, and God does uh, give us these uh, well, you know, warnings. When he created um, the stars, the sun, moon, and stars, mm-hmm. he said he gave us those things for signs. That was the first word he used, signs. Signs and times and, and seasons. seasons. And yeah. so it's not that we're stargazing. We're not astrologers no. or uh, into but there horoscopes are... or anything like that. So that that is a perversion of uh, the yeah. signs God has given. But there are definite signs that we look at that are given to us in Scripture mm-hmm. that we need to uh, take mm-hmm. heed of in these days. Well, and I think a lot of times we want to get so far uh, removed from our current situation, looking at the stars, the, 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 time, the timing of this blood moon issue and falling on the uh, same significant feast days as it's going to be doing for two years in a row. I think that has some meaning, but we're going to wait for Doug to kind of help us unravel that. Before we get to that, we're going to kind of set up an idea uh, of the kingdom of God, um, Jesus Christ came as a real uh, historic figure, uh, entered into uh, our time zone, time and space. He's a, a creature of time and space when he came here, and he brought a new concept. He called it the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, I find it very interesting that the very first words out of his mouth, almost from the get-go, as his, as he just you know out of the chute, was uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what does that mean to you? 
the, the repent. Oh, by the way, if anybody wants to talk to us or call in, be sure you take down this number and, and think about, start to put your questions together. It's 347-215-8051, 347-215-8051. We welcome your interaction and comments. But when he was talking about repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, can we just back that up for a second? And he said that, I was reading this morning in this idea of the kingdom of heaven, and John the Baptist came. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist came as a precursor or a, a kind of an interlude uh, uh, between the two uh, dispensations, the one, the dispensation of law, and then the one that Jesus Christ was bringing. So the strange character appears on the horizon. I mean, the guy is totally... <laughs> doesn't fit well into any church scene. He doesn't know how to dress right. He doesn't eat the right food. He probably doesn't comb his hair. He wears camel's hair for, for clothing. And you, you, know, you, you think you kind of get the idea of some sort of caveman looking kind of person minus the club maybe. And maybe the word of God or maybe his, his, his passion for what he was saying was like a verbal club. But for some reason, people were extremely attracted to this guy. But he was so different from the rabbis, rabbi, rabbis and the Pharisees and the scribes and, and their pious demure and their, and their robes and their, you know, everything was perfect and nothing out of place and everything was in, in order and in, under control. John the Baptist came kind of like, a, like a, a madman in the midst of this to preach a gospel of repentance. Yeah, it says in Mark chapter 1, uh, verses, uh, let's, let's Let's just go through some of this, if, if that's mm-hmm. all right. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and, and we'll, we'll read through uh, uh, verse 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out to him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And then, like you alluded to, Margie, John was clothed with camel's hair, with a girdle of, or belt of skin, or leather belt. Uh, he did eat locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying... There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And it came to pass in those days. And, and you know, there were people, uh, Jesus comes and was baptized by John. And so John was really coming to a new order. There was there was an attraction to him, as you said. Well, he, uh, it, they it, came out to him. Yeah, you know, he, he was came. Out he was sent by God. You know, as a forerunner. Yeah. You, you read it here. Um, at my messenger, send my messenger before your face. I, God, is sending his messenger. This insane-looking madman who has nothing to do with pious religion or synagogue, ritual worship, anything. I mean, you just, I, I, he was a second or first cousin, a first cousin, I think, of Jesus, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Mm-hmm. But God sent this crazy-looking dude to break the path, to introduce the Son of God. I mean, this is like, 
like it's either the greatest ridiculous, most ridiculous farce in the world, or it is something way beyond our human comprehension, and it surely doesn't go along well with common sense in God. But God always does things like that. So you just, if you're going to ride with God, you got to expect the unexpected. He is kind of wild. And so um, prepare your way. He's going to prepare the way. And, and the voice of one crying in the wilderness, he did not go into the town looking for uh, his marketing techniques, uh, you know, <laughs> trying right. to drum up, you know, he didn't get, put posters on all the, the corners of the, the, the city that say, you know, here comes, coming soon, you know, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He was out in the wilderness and people came to him. Um, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. At this point in time, what were the people looking for? People were, well, the people had been looking for a Messiah. They had been looking for someone to uh, throw the authority of the Roman government off of them because basically Israel was uh, oppressed you know, uh, under the thumb of Rome. There was mm-hmm. a, Rome was, a, was an, an occupation army they were occupying the land of Israel. And so they were looking for someone that would come it, and overthrow the Romans but don't, and, but and don't bring kind of, in what they were thinking of as the kingdom of God. Yeah, but but look at the guy who's bringing the message. He looks like he's nuts. Mm-hmm. Why, would they, why would they follow him? Why would they think this guy's got a serious, important piece of information? He really knows what he's talking about. You wouldn't get it from his appearance. He was just absolutely the antithesis of anything that would look look respectable and um prof, you know like your your professor or your you know very pious person he was just none of that he was just but he had a message and the message was he came baptizing in the wilderness i don't know much about the i mean obviously we know what kind of a baptism it was but he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins so he was pre- preaching repentance which means to change your mind and then later it says um, he, he was uh, preaching and telling them to confess their sins. He came to teach, teach them repentance and confession. Um, so that was really a, a very, uh, wouldn't you say that's kind of a novel idea? A, ground, a groundbreaking um, uh, ministry, to be sure, because, you know, there's Yeah, a, confessing there's their a, sins, verse there, 5. Right, there's a new order here coming in. Well, um, and that's what John was. He was like a herald, and back in those days, a herald would go forth before the king mm-hmm. or a high official yeah. and say, um, "Yeah, here's the here deal. comes here comes the king. Mm-hmm. Here comes the this high uh, other high official." Well, and what they would do sometimes is they would have people that would prepare the way for them. Literally, if there were. Maybe it's a log across the road or some yeah. rough spots in the in the road. They would try to dig out the rocks. Those yeah. out, move, maybe move the rocks, make the way. But uh, but his message. Listen to this. Before this, before this, it was group repentance, group sin, group problem. We have the sheep, the lamb, the sacrificed lamb. Of course, again, they hadn't been able to do that. Well, actually, they were doing that at that point in time. It had been restored, but so that the temple worship the the atonement, the Passover lamb, and all of that stuff had, uh, so everybody's sin was grouped into a group sin. And now John is saying, take personal responsibility for your sin because you, you're the only one who can change your own mind about something. You know, you can change your mind based on the pressure of the group, but at the same time, repentance means to change your mind. And a lot of us, we have been called, the only way you get out of that, that group mess, lost condition, is to trans 
late or transfer or transfer ownership uh, citizenship is through a personal. Now it's going to be a personal thing, John said. It's, it's your choice. Whosoever shall call upon the name of whoever will repent, whoever will confess his sins. And I think it's very interesting he used the words repent and confess because both of those words are used by First John in First John mm-hmm. to talk to us about what we need to do when we sin after even after we're believers you change your mind you let the holy spirit convict you of sin righteousness and judgment change your mind and stop believing the lie and believe the truth and to demonstrate that there was something john had them do and there's something jesus calls us to do that the thing was to confess he said confess your sins in verse five and um then he led them into this baptism now baptism uh i believe is a very symbolic thing uh, why do you think he had them baptized in the Jordan or in the water? It wasn't he wasn't dumping water on their heads. He was immersing them in the in the water. Why why do you think John well, it, used it, that tactic? It was a it was like an initiation. Okay, good into yeah. the new order. You know, initiation the new kingdom. You know, ceremony and and of course later on yeah. we we learn about baptism that uh, you know after Christ came mm-hmm. the baptism where we're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, basically it is a symbolic expression of symbolic, what's already yeah. happened in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Baptism is not in order to be saved, but it because is because we are a saved. A sign of it, yeah. And it's a sign indicating that, hey, when you go down into the water, you realize that I've died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've died to sin. Jesus, I believe Jesus Christ has died for my sin, and now I die to my sin. I believe Jesus was die, died for my sin and was buried. And as I have, uh, I, I'm dead to my old life, and I'm just giving, in a sense, mm-hmm. permission, giving myself a decent burial. burial. Mm-hmm. And as I believe Christ has been raised from the dead, now I've, I've been raised from from the death of sin to live a brand new life. So yeah. well, that's, see, that's yeah. the symbolism as it is. Well, it, as, as you it said, becomes, the ceremony right. in every important event, whether it's a marriage, uh, uh, you know, a birth, there's usually a ceremony of some sort. And I believe this ceremonial act of baptism, as John had put it together, or was led by the Holy Spirit to Alice, you do this, uh, was exactly what you said. It was a symbolic death. And when you die, that was the one problem. They had to get out of this kingdom to get uh, eligible to have citizenship in another kingdom. And that new kingdom, the kingdom of God, which was coming, which was going to be at hand in a few minutes when Jesus showed up, they were going to be qualified and ready to go to go into that kingdom because they had already transferred by desire by their actions. You know, actions uh, do work to, you know, you speak louder than words sometimes. This symbolic act of obedience and, and dying. Uh, of course, they didn't yet know about the cross, and this was a... Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a foreshadowing of that, but by an act of faith. Just like circumcision was an act, uh, it was an act, but it was a seal of faith in the promises. Abraham believed the promises, therefore circumcision was given as a seal, not the thing that made him righteous. It was only a sign of the thing, the faith, that made him righteous. So so this is a very, uh, and, and God, Jesus said, go make disciples at the end of Mark, he says, and baptize them, you know, baptizing them, getting them you guys have to make some individual decisions and choices for yourself. This is not a group. Uh, yes, there's there's much we do as a family of of God, the body of Christ, but it it begins with each person being individually born. You know, I didn't have a group birth. 
I, there was, I was born. I have a birthday. I came into the world. I have an individual soul and individual life. I give an individual account of my life to God. And that doesn't change. But the thing that John the Baptist was saying is, let's get ready. Get rid of this old, you know, tradition, uh, legalism, law, uh, you know, whatever they were doing to try to be okay. because something new is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and that something new was the kingdom of God. Yeah, and that's that's something that um, when when Jesus did did come on the scene, and uh, uh, John actually uh, baptized him. Um, he said, uh, verse nine of Mark chapter one, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan and was with the wild beasts. Mm-hmm. And the angels came and ministered. Quite an initiation, him. huh? Yeah. So yeah. There, was that, there was that time of testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Setting apart preparation. Sanctifying. What you're seeing is all preparation here from the time yeah. of uh, the John the Baptist come as a preparer. Uh, Jesus experienced the forty days, forty nights of, of temptation in the wilderness, also to prepare him for mm-hmm. the, the ministry, the testing. Well, you uh, know the thing is that uh, again, John the Baptist was a transition from the old order to the new order. And that new order, that new, truly new world order, the new order of the world that's coming upon us, began back then when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What at hand means, it's right here. It's, out, it's right outside the door. It's, um, you know, you can touch it. You can reach out and touch it. I am, repent. I am the uh, uh, incarnation of that kingdom of of heaven, and yet the people did not understand this at all. So we can see that Jesus, even himself, became a transitional piece um, to bringing in the kingdom of God. And speaking of bringing in the kingdom of God, I think we get to bring in Doug right now. Yay! Hey, 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 I'm hey, here. Hey, Hello, we're so Doug. happy. Yeah, we you were doing all, okay. We were, were doing, doing okay, Doug, but but you're all you're you're gonna doing help. fine without <laughs> me. But I, I appreciate you letting me come on the show. Oh, well, you're, you're it's such a blessing. It's great to have you, and we're we're all we're all ready for you. Well, let me just give a little oh, brief good. introduction, Doug, of you, and then sure. you introduce yourself. We had Doug on the show for those of you who want to catch the archive last um, April when we had the first set of blood moons, and you did a spectacular job at that point. I think you're talking about your book, uh, Mars um, and the Blood Moons. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. we talked a bit about Mars. We talked a bit about blood moons. Uh, yeah. Tonight, I think we're going to focus a little bit more on the, the whole blood moon phenomenon and all yeah. that. So that would be good. Yeah. And so, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you got to be so smart. I mean, you just write oh. all these books and all these, deep, <laughs> dig out all these deep things that are really profound. I mean, I did, I did read the 59 pages you sent me, sir, and they're very well, good, and was, I was very you know, excited. And I did, too. The, yeah. Did you really? Well, I've got yeah. the full book. Full book on the way. You should actually have it in your mailbox. What's the tomorrow. name of it? I think. The, the whole, the, the full official book is called Blood Moon: Signs mm-hmm. of the Coming Biblical Signs of the Coming Apocalypse. Ooh. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You know, I got to just say so, something. 
when I read even those 59 pages, and I will encourage people mm-hmm. to get your book because, you know what, it mm-hmm. just gave me such such a thrill, such a, a refreshed, anointing, clarity uh, of who, what's really going on here and how incredibly mm-hmm. um, important and urgent this is and that the, the coming of the Lord can yes. be very near. But I know through our discussion we'll probably unravel, unravel that a little bit more. So you've written yeah, many, yeah. many books, Doug. Can you just, before we start, tell us a little bit again yeah. about yourself sure. and your just however you want to do that. Sure. Well, now, if my, my mom passed away about 10 years ago, but if she were alive, she would say that, that all, all my smarts come from her. Oh. And, uh, and, so, so <laughs> and she, she left them all to you, huh? That. Yeah, she'd say, well, all that talent comes from me, of course. And so uh-huh. uh, anyway, but anyway, yeah, I, she, was a great, she was a great mom, and she's, uh, she's up in heaven smiling down on us, I know. Um, well, I have, uh, I've been privileged to write eight books. I've got another one that is going to be released here probably in mm-hmm. about five weeks. It's all done. I'm just getting the forward. Uh, and I've got to, uh, I've got to come up with a cover. I, I actually do all my own covers too, mm-hmm. which is well, actually you, my yeah. favorite part of my book. But, you know, I, I haven't figured out the, the cover for the new book and I, and I won't announce it yet, but there'll be a new one coming up. But anyway, I've done eight books. This mm-hmm. most recent one, uh, Blood Moon, Biblical Signs of the Coming Apocalypse, I did. I put it to the marketplace, oh, six months ago, maybe. Really? Now, and um, uh, it's it's been out there. I have not promoted it as well mm-hmm. as I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thank you very much for the kind words that you that you've shared. Yeah. Folks that have read it have uh, come away with. A, you know, they probably went into the book thinking, oh, okay, well, here we go, another blood, moon another, book. Yeah, 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 another blood moon book, and what they discover is that the the focus of the book, I, I use the blood moon issue mm-hmm. as kind of the hook, but mm-hmm. I'm really focused on the matter of Bible prophecy and specifically the kingdom of God and yeah. why the kingdom of God is crucial, it sounds mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, by the way, kind of yeah. crucial to <laughs> what the gospel is. But exactly. in our day, in our day, with all of the megachurches and and all of the sort of positive thinking kinds of, you know, presentations of the gospel, there is ironically very little emphasis upon the soon return of Jesus Christ, yeah. and that despite the fact that we have never lived in more perilous times, nor in more obviously prophetic fulfillment. Right yeah. now, there are so many things that we have talked about for perhaps 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of us that have been along that have been alive that long, and I, I have been, I, I mm-hmm. have been along, been alive that long. Oh, you're, you're we, an old timer. You know. <laughs> I'm an old I'm an old guy. I like to say okay. I, I'm older than I look, but you know. Um oh, that's but, true also. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I know, saw you on prophecy in the news, you. Doug, and you were talking yeah. about this book. And so yeah, you were talking about this yeah. and and the the apocalypse and I thought you had some really good points, so I won't interrupt anymore. No, just want to say, no, yeah. no, no, that's fine. And so uh and so anyway, it's um it really is I'm I'm trying to address the lapse in uh, evangelicalism today and a movement away from what was one of the sort of five fundamentals uh, at the turn of the 19th into the 20th century, that mm-hmm. one of the five fundamentals was the soon return, the physical return of Jesus Christ to this earth. 
And uh, it has become passe. It is just not chic to talk about that if you are in a big megachurch these days. And, uh, and so it's, it's one of those lapses that I felt really needed to be addressed. And, and so that's one of the main themes in the book is to talk about the, uh, the essential aspect of what the kingdom of God really mm-hmm. means. And, uh, and so anyway, so that's, yeah, my introduction, you know, eight books, been around doing this stuff now for a number of years. Um, and, uh, I'm just really happy to have a chance to write books and get to talk about them. Yes. Well, it, it seems, oh, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, Doug, why would you say that these uh, topics are not being addressed in, in mega churches or in, in evangelical? Yeah. The coming of the Lord. Coming yeah, of the Lord. I, I, uh, yeah. I, well, if we examine the, you know, I'll go ahead and mention names. If we, if we look at the books written by Rick Warren or Joel Osteen or uh, folks in that, of that ilk, um, you know, they're, they're very quick to talk about the, the uh, sort of you know, relevance of Jesus to helping us live a happy and fulfilled life. And mm-hmm. the, the emphasis um, is very much on sort of a, a positive, uh, I guess you'd say positive confession, but it's sort of a uh, belief that what God wants, in fact, I guess it was, uh, was her name Claudia Osteen, Joel's wife, who was... Mm-hmm. Uh, Sort of uh, on YouTube a few weeks ago, people were circulating this where she said that what God really wants is number one thing is that he wants us all to be happy. And it's it's really not about serving God. It's about being happy. Mm-hmm. And um, when it was just absolutely heinous from my standpoint, because, you know, it, we are obviously we become happy by serving God. And uh, yeah. But it, it was just such a um, a very ignorant statement regarding the essentials of the gospel and what it means to be a Christian um, that, and it's so in breaking with the traditions of evangelicalism in terms of our emphasis upon uh, the sacrificial atonement, uh, the cross, the blood of the cross. You know, these things are, are things that I suppose that a lot of these megachurches have just assumed that we've sort of, well, we've kind of grown past those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's kind of a re, it's just really, in a one way, it's a reinvention of modern mm-hmm. liberalism that was, yeah. you know, kind of really pronounced in the 1960s, 1970s. And, and I kind of do make the statement, it's like about every 30 or 40 years, uh, Christian evangelicals decide to move away from the Bible um, from a uh, you know a grammatical historical mm-hmm. interpretation of the Bible, and they go into this thing which Rudolf Bultmann called demythologizing, where they want to turn the Bible into a series of, of myths or parables or or uh, fables about how to live a, a good life. But they don't really want to talk about the biblical worldview, the cosmology of the Bible, and things like and the, the fact that our you know history is moving towards a culmination and we are you know budding right up against that culmination um mm-hmm. we are perhaps months or a few years away from a dramatic uh apocalypse and wow. um you know and, and my view is that that's really the core message of jesus is that the kingdom of god is coming and it's going to overturn it's going to literally demolish the kingdom of uh, of independent mankind, and mm-hmm. God is going to bring about a brand new kingdom 
And, uh, and if we don't understand that the kingdoms of this world are corrupted and that the, um, you know, that each of us needs a savior, each of us mm-hmm. needs to be remade yep. Uh, yep. and born again, that if we don't understand that, we're, we're not going to be part of that kingdom. That's really scary. You know, back to, I just want to comment real quickly on what you said about yeah. that very famous evangelic, uh, evangelic preacher, Rick Warren, who basically, yeah. in, in your book, you say he dismisses the apocalypse and the coming kingdom as a matter right. of no import to Jesus. In other words, he's saying that Jesus yeah. himself wasn't thinking much of the uh, thought of his return, and exactly. he, and it was not important to Jesus. Prophecy is not important right. to Jesus. Well. In the very beginning, the very first statement, as we were saying just before you entered, came on on the show. Yeah. Jesus said, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand," and and that kingdom of heaven, as you made so clear in the book, is a right here, right now, tangible mm-hmm. time and space mm-hmm. reality yeah. that's going to come upon us. But um, just for all of us, and I I really enjoyed what you'd said too about. Can you define the apocalypse? What what is that mean? Sure. What, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a you know it is a big word we hear tossed around, of course, a lot, and we usually just assume that what it means is the end of the world, but it but it actually means a disclosure of knowledge. It wow. is a you know it's why the synonym for it is revelation. Why the last book of the New Testament was sometimes called the Apocalypse of Jesus Christ or the Apocalypse of John, uh, or in, in the more modern times it's known as the Revelation of Jesus Christ and the revelation of John. And um, and so it's a revealing of information or knowledge that has sort of heretofore not been made clear. And um, and so the, the revelation was, a in effect, a, a revealing of information that had been, you might say, hidden. There's this sort of motif in the New Testament about the mystery the mysterion, the Greek word, the the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of righteousness, mm-hmm. uh, and the mystery of lawlessness, which is really yep. a reference to uh, the Antichrist. Um, so, uh, apocalypse is uh, you know comes from the Greek apocalypto, uh, and it is a revealing of information that hadn't been disclosed before. Really, and so a lot of people think of the apocalypse; they think of doom and gloom and end days and dread right. and the latest movie they've seen on what Armageddon or whatever. But you're saying it's more yeah. of a, a revelation uh, of prophetic, yep. uh, you know, stuff that's been maybe like hidden. And so now it's time. And so seeing that now it's with, been disclosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so kind of just, can you kind of bring that around a little bit to the, the moons and the blood moons and how that, yeah. I mean, not that we want to yeah. twist anything around, but it's so no, no, obvious fine. that what, what is hidden in the word, mm-hmm. hidden and, and mysterious, God has now thrown right. it up on the screen of the sky. And right. what are people I, making? Are they getting any revelation <laughs> knowledge out of this, or what's happening? Yeah. Well, the the blood moon phenomenon, of course, um, we probably should give your listeners a little bit of background. Many of them, of course, yeah. probably already have that background, but for those that don't, they're, mm-hmm. over the last year, um, three kind of pivotal books came out on this topic, uh, probably the the first, well, it should have been the first in terms of who originated the idea was a uh, uh, a messianic pastor from Tacoma, Washington, uh, who I've had the privilege of meeting and talking with several times. Mark Biltz, not Blitz, but Biltz, B-I-L-T-Z. He wrote a book called Blood Moons, but he had actually sort of discovered this, I think, through conversations with a with a friend, Bill Koenig, 
But uh, Mark had discovered by looking at NASA, uh, looking at their website, discovered that there were these this strange phenomenon of four blood moons that would happen over two consecutive years during the course of two consecutive years. And specifically, he noticed that they would happen on Jewish uh, feast days or the holy holy uh, holidays, typically Passover and then either um, Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Sukkot, mm-hmm. uh, Feast of Booths also. And so it was, or, uh, excuse me, yeah, Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Tabernacles, I should have said if I didn't say that properly. And um, and so the, the tetrads is what NASA called them, these sort of four blood moons over a two-year period. They've happened thousands of times during the Christian era for the last uh, 2,000 years. They've happened probably uh, between six and 8,000 times, I believe it is. But there's only been eight instances in which tetrads have occurred. And um, uh, three of those eight tetrads, two of them happened in the 20th century, and the, the, uh, the last one, which is the only one in this century that occurs, is happening right now. So we, we had the first of four blood moons in uh, April. Um, and actually, interestingly, the last two uh, full moons that we've had are known as kind of the harvest moon. They're mm-hmm. the, the, the cases in which the moon is at its closest, um, uh, at its uh, perihelion, as it's known, the closest mm-hmm. to the Earth. And um, and but during the time of the blood moon, the the Earth sort of casts a giant shadow on the moon, and the light sort of curls around the Earth from the sun, and uh, it's colored by the atmosphere and what's known as the the Rayleigh scattering, pronounced Raleigh scattering by some, uh, uh, casting sort of a reddish hue on the moon. And so that's the nature of the blood moon. Uh, but it coincides blood moons coinciding with the, the Jewish feast days of Passover. And in our case, um, the Feast of Tabernacles. This week, in fact, two nights from now is, uh, mm-hmm. two days from now is Rosh Hashanah, uh, yeah. and that begins what is another phenomenon, which is the uh, the year of the Shemitah, um, and the Shemitah is uh, happens uh, sort of the every seven years there is a Shemitah year or sort of a sabbatical year, and then every fifty years there is a Jubilee year. And these things are all sort of com- coming together, and it's sort of the phenomenon that, that Mark Biltz noticed and began to talk about first time in 2008 when he was on Prophecy in the News in Oklahoma City, which is where I'm actually at right now. It's where I'm living right now. Mm-hmm. And um, and then uh, that he's been talking about it and preaching it and so forth. John Hagee wrote the second book called Four Blood Moons, and he made it uh, a much more popular thing because he's – very well known, and he publishes his books and becomes an instant New York Times bestseller and so forth. So mm-hmm. he's he's gotten the concept into the hands of several million people over the last few months. And uh, he's very positive, very much in favor of the phenomenon of the blood moons as a sign mm-hmm. or symbol of the apocalypse, which I'm now beginning to answer your question. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I tell you. And then the third book was written by an author known as Mark Hitchcock, who uh, lives and, and preaches and teaches about 30 miles from where I am. He lives, he lives in, and has a church in Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, but he's also regarded as one of the more noted eschatology scholars. And he wrote a book called Blood Moons Rising, in which he actually criticized 
John Hagee and Mark Biltz and believes and, and stated that the blood moons, as Mark discovered them and presented them and as John Hagee presented them, is is not a genuine biblical sign of the apocalypse. And uh, he has lots of reasons why he says this, but his probably his number one reason that Hitchcock says this is he believes that the biblical signs of the apocalypse are always supernatural. And mm-hmm. uh, what I do in the book is I, I try to kind of cut a middle path between mm-hmm. uh, these two positions. And I, I believe that the blood moons are, in fact, uh, while they're not supernatural, I believe that they do coincide uh, and are in providential statement by uh, by the Lord that mm-hmm. we are in the last of the last days. We are mm-hmm. we may be in the last decade of the last days, and uh, and so I, I talk about that in in my book, and that's kind of what I try to do is sort of reconcile the. Mm-hmm. I try to answer Mark Hitchcock's issues and talk about where I think uh, Mark Bills might be wrong. Uh, but nevertheless, I try to point out that I do think that the blood moons are a genuine biblical sign of the yeah. apocalypse. Well, when when I was ri- reading this, I kind of gathered that he had some problem with it. Hitchcock, Hitchcock was right. saying it's just a supernatural thing. But, you know, when you think about, yeah. for example, the rainbow, the first rainbow mm-hmm. was initiated as maybe a supernatural phenomenon, or maybe it was the first mm-hmm. time that all of the, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't understand prisms, and I don't right. understand raindrops, exactly. and, but right. it created an, a scientific ex- thing as well. There was a natural phenomenon that was hooked with the right. supernatural promise. And I don't think yes. God will break the rules of order, whether it's his constellations or, or you know, the, the pillar by day and the fire by night yes. sort of thing. I'm sure that, right. you know, like, if you stop and think about it, how... <laughs> incredible is our God that he had to order the orbits, mm. the axes, the degrees of tilt in all of the yes. planets, all the stars, the sun, the moon, to orchestrate the timing on using a natural phenomenon Indeed. to represent and to speak a very supernatural event. Yes. So, Absolutely I mean, right. So, I, I mean, totally it, agree with you. I think it's a, it's a huge thing that the alignment of the sun, moon, stars, that it, you know, we believe that these things are aligned in such a way that the calendars, the, their positions, all these things testify to the sovereignty, the all-powerful, almighty God. Um, but just to reinforce what we're talking about, for instance, one of the examples I use in the book is I talk about the Star of Bethlehem. You know, was the Star of Bethlehem a supernatural phenomenon? Well, it might have been. But there's there's strong reason to believe that uh, that the reason that the wise men uh, came from uh, probably from Iran from Babylon uh, to um, Bethlehem to Jerusalem and then Bethlehem was because they were seeing and they were predicting a conjunction of probably two planets and a particular star, one of the brightest stars in the sky, Regulus. Um, at Jupiter, uh, Venus, Jupiter sort of represented the planet of the king. Uh, Venus, obviously, the, the virgin mother. Uh, the star Regulus really represented the prince. And, mm-hmm. uh, and on June 17, 2 B.C., 
there was a very, very significant, very close conjunction of these three. Uh, you could think of them as stars, but of course, two of them were planets. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was probably that phenomenon that was, in fact, the star of Bethlehem. And uh, there's been some tremendous research done on that. But presuming for a moment that it was, in fact, just a conjunction of, you'd say, natural objects, but those objects all had symbolic meaning. And to the Magi, um, it meant a very specific thing. It was supposedly true that this same star existed at the time of the birth of Moses. And it's one one of the areas in which Moses and Jesus uh, had sort of some common phenomenon. Obviously, another one would be the, the deaths of the, the children of the Hebrews at the time of Moses' um, you know, early uh, oh, childhood, sure. uh, likewise with Jesus. And so there's many, many, many uh, comparisons. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, that issue comes back, well, was it supernatural or not? And so and as you point out, the rainbow is uh, another one of those signs uh, mm-hmm. that are, is talked about. It's uh, specifically the sign that God gave Noah uh, as the, it was known as the Noetic Covenant. And that rainbow, of course, was a natural phenomenon. And so you see in the scripture both supernatural events like the pillar of, cl- uh, pillar of cloud, the fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day that accompanied the, the Hebrews that gave them light at night and provided uh, guidance to them. That was clearly a supernatural sign, the, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, a supernatural sign. The, the the biblical signs of the apocalypse, as we look at those in Matthew 24, and we look at those in Revelation, the book of Revelation, in different places, you know, it, it's very clear that many of those signs are extremely supernatural in orientation, uh, mm-hmm. but not necessarily all of them. You know, certainly uh-huh. the sign of the Son of Man appearing in the heavens, that appears mm-hmm. to sound like it would be a, maybe a giant projection of the cross of Christ or something. Um, it's it's not you know perfectly clear what what that means, but we know that there's a combination of both natural and supernatural signs that comprise the the biblical signs of, of the apocalypse. So, long story short, I think Hitchcock is wrong uh, in uh, criticizing uh, Mark Biltz and John Hagee for uh, suggesting that well the blood moons is not they're not a legitimate sign of the uh, the kind the time of the apocalypse. Uh, just because they are uh, really affect a, a natural phenomenon. Uh, Doug, quick question uh, from you know the blood moon this past April. Were there yes. any observable uh, signs or things that happened on Earth or regarding Israel that could have been you know be interpreted to be you know in, in conjunction with that particular yeah, yeah. blood moon? Well, 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 certainly the the tradition is that the that the blood moons uh, are a uh, sort of a sign of bad news. They are portents or, uh, you know, signs of, of foretelling or foreboding of war. And, uh, and so it had been predicted that, that during these blood moons that Israel would find itself once again uh, involved in very significant warfare. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, and so, obviously, we've just seen the Gaza uh, warfare. You know, it yes. happens. There's a lot of lot of uh, Middle East wars that go on. Uh, I have a suspicion, though, that the the war that appears to have concluded in Gaza 
between Hamas and Israel is just the start. There was an article I was reading today from the Jerusalem Post talking about what may be a much larger, much more massive war that Israel is preparing for right now against Hezbollah uh, or the, on the northern borders. And, uh, in fact, there's a hospital that was uh, was pleading for donations to help them be ready to prepare for what they anticipate will be substantial casualties from uh, a war that no one in the media is talking about, but a war that's likely to happen, as I just said, between Israel and Hezbollah um, in the Golan Heights and uh, towards Syria. That probably sparked even more by the fact that Israel was involved in the attacks last night against ISIS, and uh, this morning was reported that Israel actually shot down a Syrian jet. I don't have the details on that, but um, anyway, the, the blood moons seem to be symbolic of a time of, of war, and um, and of course many Jerry many uh, right now are predicting a friend of ours, Rick Wiles, who does the True News broadcast. Um, Rick believes and has had a number of folks on his program that, that believe the United States is on sort of the precipice of uh, major calamity in that um, a year from now, at the end of the Shemitah, uh, is when we're going to see some type of major catastrophe in America. It could be another 911. It could be something far worse. Um, there's There's a lot of fear. I've talked to a number of folks like author John Price, who wrote a book called The End of America, who now lives in Costa Rica. Uh, there's a lot of fear that we're going to see um, some type of nuclear um, warfare. We're going to either see suitcase nukes or we're going to see missiles launched from either North Korean subs, uh, China subs, or Russian subs against several American cities. Um, and that that could happen at any time, but many are believing that these things are are likely to happen about one year from now at the end of this Shemitah year, because historically the Shemitah year has corresponded with um, sort of worldwide calamities, the uh, the beginning and the end of World War II, um, uh, certainly the downturn in our economy, uh, the collapse of the economy 2001, 2008, uh, 2015, you know, is what is predicted that we're going to see a major economic collapse in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are many people that are predicting that, and it runs in these cycles of which the blood mm-hmm. moons are a symbol of those uh, calendric cycles of the uh, Judaic calendar. So d- does the Shemitah year begin now with Rosh Hashanah because that's yes. the yes. calendar year? So yes. it's from the September 24th, 5th, whatever now until yes. uh, 2015. 25th. So, and and so uh, yes. this is a year of what preparation, anticipation. It's, uh, the, it's a year of rest. You it, said. Yes, it's it's supposedly a year of rest. Uh, Jonathan Kahn, who wrote The Harbinger, uh, just mm-hmm. released a book here just in the last month or two. Um, Talking, uh, I think it's called The Mystery of the Shemitah, uh, published mm-hmm. by WellNet Daily. And uh, but it, it, he makes the point in his book. I haven't read it yet. I just read some snippets from it. He makes the point that these calamities tend to happen at the very end of the Shemitah year, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's why there are there's sort of a confluence of a number of scholars and and authors and researchers that are predicting that the end that the end of 2015 could signify 
Uh, it could signify the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. It mm. could signify the beginning of the tribulation. Some believe it's, you know, we're already in Daniel's 70th week, and it actually began when uh, uh, Barack Obama appeared in Jerusalem on <laughs> on uh, uh, March Palm 22nd. Sunday. March 22nd, yeah. Yeah, of, uh, of 20, 2013, 2012. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and believe that we may already be we be, be in it. Now, I I don't necessarily agree with that, but mm-hmm. um, but I watch these things very carefully. And well, I uh, think, and, and when yeah. it happened, I thought maybe it was <laughs> maybe it was happening. Well, you know, the thing is, I think that there's a lot of signs that that Jesus has given us to watch for and look for. But what going back to right. uh, the debate that the book you've written with between Hitchcock. Yes. Hitchcock and Hagen and whatnot, it sets up right. so much. It kind of neutralizes everything in anybody's um, even interest yeah. in looking at, could this be something that... And so I, I just see a general... Could you talk to this issue of this general uh, apathy and ignorance that's yeah. in the body of Christ? How do, you, um, how do you pronounce the word malaise? Malaise? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sort of this apathy, you know? Yeah, it's, oh. um, it's, it is so curious. One of the things I want to do tonight is, is plug a conference that we're going to do in um, in Columbus here in a few weeks. We'll talk right. about that. But it. Uh, but one of. But, but to your point, though, to your question, I, I really. It, it's just astounding that yeah. at a time when you know virtually every major sign. Mm-hmm. I think someone says there's like twelve different sort of pillars that are the major signs or markers that we are in the the time of the you know the very last of the last days mm-hmm. that when we are experiencing these things that at the same time you have the evangelical church drifting away from um a a serious understanding of the scripture uh, yeah. a serious consideration of eschatology uh a a uh, sort of a lackadaisical attitude yeah. about yeah. the centrality of the cross, uh, the you know, the sacrificial atonement of Jesus Christ. Almost mm-hmm. all of these things are being uh, just sort of poo-pooed and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, made light of. It is, right. it is truly a remarkable phenomenon. Yeah. And uh, it is, is why several of us uh, really say, right. you know, Last day's apostasy. It seems to be. It seems to be here right now, and yes, in a way course. that we hadn't expected it to happen. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so yeah. I'll throw Go this ahead. out at you. I, I mean, you know, we we're so uh, enamored with the kind of seeker-sensitive uh, approach yeah. that people, yeah. do, even in, yeah. in church church planting, and, right. and it's like uh, kind of the. You know, be happy, feel good, self-help thing is what keeps keeps the crowds exactly. coming and and uh, helps yeah. keep you know yeah. pay for the buildings. Um, it, it's and, it's and, so I, and I think too, the pastors yeah. too, the teachers, it, it, right. it takes some very serious study, soul searching. I mean, right. study of the scripture and and soul searching. Right. And I think sometimes too, maybe there's a fear. Because there's so been so many crackpots with dealing with prophecy, you know, setting dates yes. and climbing on a mountain right. and waiting for Jesus to come, and, and, <laughs> exactly. and it's so controversial that let, let's just not even talk yeah. about that. Let's just talk about um, five ways oh, you can be happy on your new job. You know, right? Yeah, sort of so, the Bobby McFerrin approach to the gospel. You know, don't worry, be happy. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So go ahead, uh, Margie. I am. Well, I, I was. I, I just. It's appalling. It's almost like there's a mesmerizing spirit, a spirit of stupor. Yeah. And you know, it I've is. written a book myself. I do more of this law versus grace thing, and and in Romans yeah. chapter eleven. Uh, verses 1 through 11, there, the Lord says, if you mix works or that gospel mm-hmm. performance, the gospel of law, uh, good mm-hmm. works, if you mix that with grace, it says God will permit a spirit of stupor to come upon you. God will put a spirit of stupor. And I think that's what's happening in the churches. It's a spirit of wow. of, of mesmerizing. Yes, They're stupefied. They don't see. They don't sense even that they're in a bad place. And it's so dangerous yes. when when you're wandering like a child in a very bad place and you're not even alarmed or in, you know, you, how can you prepare? How can you be? And, and when Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he, and so you've taken the, the, the may I say the word guts out of the gospel, right. the urgency yeah. of Jesus is coming back. There is a real kingdom of God, time and space yeah. that is coming to this earth. And those who are not ready who cannot be part of it. That's just, when he gets here, it's going to be too late. Uh, when the rapture well, happens, it's it going to be myself. pretty close. Yeah, well, it's too late. You know? It's too late. Yeah, yeah it's too right, late. Right on. Right on. And, and that, is, that is so And many true. are going to be pounding. And, they're going to be pounding on the door and saying, Lord, Lord, haven't we done many mighty works in your name? And he's going to say, I don't know you. What works are you talking about? Amen. That's, and yet they will look like fashion, the works of God. And that is yeah. even more scary because you have all this counterfeit gospel going on out there. So no wonder people are messed up and screwed up. And then you get the people who are discover, researching this stuff, and they're they're also neg- negating it to some sort of a this or that, and it doesn't really matter. Don't worry about it. And just keep you know doing your little life. Um, yeah, that it is. So, it is indeed true. I'm sitting here thinking about all the different verses. The one that comes to mind. Um, I'm reading this, and and you guys can remind me. I think this is from Philippians, but I'm not sure. Um, Let me read this. It's like four verses. Uh, For many live, about whom I have often told you, uh, this is Paul talking, and now with tears I tell you that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. They exult in their shame, and they think about earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we also eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform these humble bodies of ours into the likeness of his glorious body by means of that power by which he is able to subject all things to himself. Yeah. And I don't know, is that Corinthians or is that Philippians? Pastor Jerry, do you remember? Oh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll grab He's it He's looking here. it up. I'll, I'll grab it. Yeah, uh, uh, the Paul enemies of the cross. Of Christ, yeah. I for some reason I got the verses, but I, I don't think I left the reference of the uh, book. I believe yeah. it's either Corinthians or, or um, uh, but even, I don't know. Yeah. I could, I Did could you say wrong. even strife wrong, but... and envy, uh, some of goodwill? Uh, the former. That's uh, first. Yes. Yeah. That's one. Philippians, Philippians chapter three and verse one, verse fifteen. Mm-hmm. For indeed, yeah. pre- they preach Christ from envy and strife. Some from goodwill. Yeah. The former preach Christ from selfish ambitions, not sincerely supposing the affliction to my chains. Um, yeah. You know, then there's the there's the verses in Peter where we talk about the scoffers. That's another sign, actually, of the Indeed. ending scoffers who um, say, "Well, where's the sign of his coming?" You know, um, and again, I think people are really hooked into all kinds of man-made reasoning, uh, rhetoric, teaching, right. uh, yeah. uh, seminary, well, you know, they want to be relevant, and, exactly. You know, they uh, they think, "Well." 
you know, I think like Rick Warren, I was explaining this to or sharing this with somebody the other day. It's like, I, you know, I think the man is extremely committed. I mean, the guy, you know, gives away 90% of what he makes. He, mm-hmm. I think he absolutely loves the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think he is, he absolutely misses it, has a blind spot when it comes to the place of eschatology and, and the meaning of the kingdom of God in terms of it challenging, confronting the systems of this world. And it is, I believe, a, a failure to appreciate what I would call the doctrine of evil and how evil permeates yeah. the world. Yeah. And, you know, yes, we want to be good citizens. We want to be active in our communities and all that. But, but that is not the heart of the gospel. You know, the heart of the gospel is, right. the, is the sinfulness of humankind. And, the, and Margie, you certainly know this, the kind of counseling that you do, which is really oriented to spiritual warfare, that, mm-hmm. you know, we're dealing with a real physical presence of evil in this world. Yes. And, you know, believing in just being healthy, wealthy, and wise is not mm-hmm. going to come against those powers of darkness that you certainly have to, to deal with in the kinds of, of ministry that you do. Well, I got to say this: that when people refuse or fail to put the understanding of that evil one, that kingdom yes. of darkness, into the equation, nothing adds up or makes sense. And then we get all these crazy doctrines and theologies, like uh, the yeah. depravity of man or uh, all this denial. People, you know, in the church, yeah. they can't have any sin because Christians don't sin because they can't have a demon. Well, I've often said, well, yeah. does having a rat in your house make you a rat? And people are afraid that if they have a demon, that they're going to be a demon. And, yeah. you know, but, but going back to the, and that's part of the problem, going back to, again, to, to Rick and many others that are the do-gooders, and that is what their gospel is. It's a do-good gospel. It's a gospel based on social gospel, good works, you know, the green gospel. Everybody's wonderful right. and this utopian thing. We're going to somehow be able to bring it in, pull it off, and then get ready for Jesus to come back. That's, but that's not yeah. what Jesus said. Jesus says, am I really going to find any faith? When I get back, right, I, right. Well, it, it really is the difference between you know in eschatology we talk, we talk about the difference between sort of a millenarian approach versus an ah millennialarian or sort of the Catholic approach, which is sort of the you know the world is to get better and better and then Jesus will come, versus the what would be I think more of a traditional uh, view of the Church Fathers, not necessarily the view of Calvin and Luther because they were still their eschatology was still heavily influenced by. Mm-hmm. Catholicism, but certainly the view in the last 200 years uh, in America, uh, in the dispensational teachings and so forth, that the world is going to, certainly there's always going to be good people in the world doing good things, but the world by and large is going to progressively get uh, more and more evil, and we're going to see worse and worse things happen, and goodness knows in the last six months, we've seen some of the most horrible things yeah. Uh, in our lifetime in the last six months. And so it, it really brings to a head the point that there is real evil in the world and that a gospel that just talks about how Jesus loves you and Jesus wants to make you happy, that you know, that, that is just a very wimpy mm-hmm. uh, gospel that is not going to change the world, <laughs> I'm afraid. Well, yeah. when the- well, the thing is, I, my observation, too, is that, I mean, it, it takes guts to to proclaim yes. the, the the gospel of the kingdom these days because you know, and I, think, I think there's been a um, a reaction to 
where people used to say, well, you know, you just use the coming of Jesus and talks about hell and stuff as, you know, scare tactics. And, you know, I hear that. Right. I hear that a lot. Fearful and brimstone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, we don't want any of this hellfire and brimstone. Or we don't condemnation. Want, we don't want condemnation. Right. We don't want, yeah. I'm not talking yeah. about, I mean, yeah. we're not certainly, um, you know, we're not here to, to bring a, a, a legalistic. Um, right. Uh, yeah, but you understand. Gospel. But the thing is, the principle where where the whole counsel of God, you know, is, and and uh, and you bring that out in in your book, the portions that we read about the kingdom yep. of God, the the gospel that you have to include. Yeah. You can't have a kingdomless gospel. I mean, yeah. the, the gospel of the kingdom, and what what is, what what is what is the gospel of the kingdom? How would how would you define the? Yeah, the gospel of the kingdom as as Jesus brought it to us. Well, yeah, there, there's a number of verses. Let me just read a few of these verses. There are verses that are kind of familiar to us, but um, you know, it's it, it really was the catchphrase, the byword, um, the rallying cry that Jesus really began his ministry with, and in the first first half of his ministry, he preached it constantly. I think you know, there's a reason why. His tone changed in perhaps the second half of his ministry. But early on, uh, Mark 1, 15, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe in the gospel. Uh, Mark four eleven, and he said unto them, Until it is, and to you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, uh, all these things are done in parables. Um, and Mark uh, four thirty six, I believe it is, and he said, so it, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Uh, Mark 4, uh, 30, and he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? Um, and then lastly, from uh, Mark 9, 1, and he said unto them, Verily I say to you, there, uh, there, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And uh, certainly you see this in Mark, but you see it in all the, the so, so-called synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew and Luke, which include much of Mark in their Gospels. Um, you see this kingdom of God. And for me, uh, the kingdom of God is the reign of Jesus Christ upon this earth. And it is a, a promise that there is a a moment, mm-hmm. an intersection in which God um intersects, comes into the domain of humankind and crushes the opposition and brings about a, uh, a new rule of, uh, and reign, one which uh, is just talked about in the Psalms, you know, that the Messiah shall reign with a rod of iron. And, um, uh, and, and this is what's going to happen. I call it a reversal of fortune. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, we hear about, of course, Mystery Babylon and Babylon, that great city. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that great city of Babylon is destined for destruction, and mm-hmm. it is the kingdom of God. Uh, what did Daniel use the analogy of the, uh, of, the, of, the, of the rock that comes and crushes all of the other kingdoms kingdom. of this world? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there is this sense that the kingdom of God is going to bring a halt to the systems of this world that are evil, that are based upon greed, upon uh, destruction, upon rebellion against God, um, whether we're talking idolatry, about... Idolatry, you know, witchcraft. Yeah, yeah, idolatry, witchcraft, uh, the financial uh, you 
know, corruption of the world, the, the putting down of the poor, all of these things. I mean, that's really what the Beatitudes were about, was really? talking about exactly. there's yeah. a completely different mindset of the kingdom of God from the mm-hmm. ways and the manners of this world. And uh, and it speaks to the issue of evil, how evil's interwoven into the fabric of human society. And, uh, and we're not saying that, again, that, you know, everything's evil, everything's bad. We're not saying that. We're just saying that there is this principle of sin and evilness that is uh, has has worked its way corrupted. throughout the human race and corrupted our ourselves individually and our institutions corporately. And the kingdom of God is going to set these things right. That what Jesus was, as I point out, I talk about the difference between the, the sort of modern-day liberalism and and the evangelicals, and I point out Bart Ehrman's, who is a basically he's an agnostic. Um, he's written probably probably sold more books uh, theologically than anyone else, and he's a professor of New Testament at North Carolina. Uh, Bart Ehrman, though, is an agnostic, and uh, he talks about yeah, it's fascinating. He, as a liberal, says it is clear that Jesus taught the apocalypse. Uh, Albert Schweitzer, who was also sort of the, uh, you know, the, the great humanitarian that lived towards the, the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century, Albert Schweitzer talked about the historical Jesus, which was sort of this theological quest that the German theologians in particular in the 19th century were trying to understand what was it that Jesus really said, because they came to conclude, of course, that the Bible was, was chock full of errors and that Jesus didn't really say these things. These were statements that were uh, sort of put into words put into his mouth by the early church. Well, Ehrman sort of you know follows in that tradition, but on the other hand, he says it's it's very clear if you study the New Testament, which of course he's a doctor, uh, PhD in the New Testament, is that Jesus really did believe in the apocalypse, and he really did believe. And this, of course, is apart from the fact that we actually believe he believed in it because he knew about it because he was God in flesh. But just from a, a you know from a liberal theologian standpoint, that might doubt that Jesus was in fact deity. Uh, he's still saying, you know, you can't read the New Testament without recognizing that Jesus believed in the apocalypse. He believed the world was going to come to an end. He believed it was going to be a radical transformation of society. And he believed that the Messiah was the key figure that was going to bring this about. Now, of course, Ehrman ventures off the path by suggesting that Jesus didn't necessarily believe that he was the Messiah, but he mm. believed that a Messiah was going to be the one to set things right. And, of course, the contrast I point, is, I point out is I say how weird it is that you've got this agnostic, yeah. uh, a liberal, you know, kind of a heading up sort of the liberal theological point of view that is saying there is no question that Jesus believed in the, uh, the centrality of the apocalypse as uh, an essential uh, definition of the, of the need for humankind to be redeemed and for society to be changed. Uh, and you've got this liberal guy believing this, and yet you've got evangelicals that won't even talk about eschatology. Yeah. It, is, it is a phenomenal uh, irony of our, of our current day. And uh, and Pastor Jerry, you are so right in terms of – I never complimented you earlier on your, your statement that so much of this has to do with the fact that pastors are frightened. Uh, they, are, they are uncomfortable with talking about prophecy. Uh, they feel like it's divisive. They want to maintain their nice salary, their cushy uh, relationship with their church. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to necessarily preach what they deem to be 
a controversial aspect of Christianity. And uh, and so they they are going to have to answer to Jesus himself uh, when he's going to ask them why it was when the the time was most critical to tell the story of the second coming of Christ that they sit they stood around and they did not mention it to their uh, parishioners. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to. I wouldn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I just uh, right. I we have some children that have gone to several, you know, Bible believing, supposedly spirit filled churches, and they for right. years they said we've gone to these churches for years, and they've actually talked to their pastors. Is how can we ever talk about end times? How can right. we never talk about biblical prophecy? Uh, I mean, and uh, they're not yeah. uh, divisive people or anything like that. It's like. Right. Where is this? We're 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 not getting this, and so it, yeah. it's interesting. You know, we've got, um, you know, Satan. Of course, has a counterfeit for everything that the Lord has, yeah. and yeah. Uh, he's got his. Uh, what we see in our in our world, uh, the, the, that is, seems to be most visible to us now is the the. Uh, well, it's been going on I, I, really since the Garden is the, mm-hmm. um, the the satanic New World Order. So yeah. you've got that's what's that's what's that's what Jesus. Yeah. This is what's being prepared. So God, Satan is 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 bringing in his his version of a New World, new world Order, yeah. which is just the same old thing, but Jesus is bringing in a true. New World Order, I mean, truly yes. revolutionary, truly redemptive, truly right. uh, the one that will merge into an, an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that has no end. Well, if we really, yeah, right. if we really believe what Jesus has been telling us and what we, you know, that he believes there was a literal time space realm kingdom of God coming and he was kind of prepping us for that in his beatitudes and the various ways that the, the kingdom of God was going to be, um, uh, that those were going to be the, that was the currency. That was, those were the principles yeah. the, uh, of that kingdom. And if you believe that Jesus truly preached that, which he did, um, then how are, what's pretty audacious and presumptuous of us to think that we can say there is no such thing. They sim- we reject it simply, even though he preached it, we just reject it. Right. We reject it right. because what? Because who are we? Who are we? Do we think we can reject what the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth, is telling us? And and so the the bottom line is this kingdom of God coming, if you take that message out of our out of our gospel message, the urgency is right. gone and people right. are left to slumber and sleep and be caught off guard and... Um, they're like sleeping in a burning house. I mean, and no one's there to say, you know, pull the alarm. <laughs> it's yeah. burning. It, it, it's so true. No, I, know, I think that, that's absolutely right, the, the, the sense of urgency. One of the things I talk about is the the passages in the first chapter of Acts and, um, you know, those, the verses in which um, the apostles asked Jesus, you know, is it is it time now for, yeah. uh, you know, the Lord to restore the kingdom to Israel and, Jesus says, well, you know, it's not really for you to know the times and seasons which the Lord has established, but you should be my witnesses, both in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, to the other Samaria, the other parts of the world, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and so forth. And and um, 
Uh, and so that's the passage that Rick Warren says, well, gee, then what Jesus was saying is that, you know, it's none of your business about the second coming. You should just be about evangelism. Well, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sounds good until you read the next three verses in which the two angels appear and they say, you know, you know, basically men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? This same Jesus that you saw disappear into the clouds is coming again in like manner. So basically, you better get busy. There's a whole world to go out and evangelize. And he's coming back very, very soon. So you better, you better get really busy that you have a mission. You better go accomplish it because the Lord is coming back. And so... Um, and that, what I point out is, I said that that's sort of the tension of mm-hmm. the of the gospel. You know, is that yeah. on the one hand we are to occupy until he comes, but on the other hand we are to assume that every day could be the you know the day the Lord returns. It could be the rapture. Um, I had a preacher that was a good liberal Methodist minister that that uh, was one of my pastors when I was growing up. And he had this phrase that actually I thought was was pretty smart. He said, you know, we talk about Judgment Day, Judgment Day, Judgment Day. He said, you know, every day is a day of judgment. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, because what you do today is kind of locked. You know, you can get forgiveness for it, but every day is is a day that you need to be accountable for what you do. And and I said, well, that's, you know, that's actually kind of true. And, and to some extent... Uh, the point I'm making is that every day is is the day that the Lord can come back, and it, it's kind of at that point where you know we are going to be face to face with our Lord, our Maker, our Master, and mm-hmm. you know we we have to be kind of prepared. It's kind of mm-hmm. like we need to have a a quick little you know set of questions or little speech to make and say, Lord, you know, am I okay or <laughs> Are we good? Are, am I okay? And, <laughs> am I? I'm ready yeah. right now. I'm, yeah. You know, think you're yeah. convenient. And mm-hmm. uh, so we've got to be kind of in that mindset, and yet at the same time, we have to recognize that that there is a mission. We are to preach the kingdom of God, and we are to to yeah. preach that word to all that will listen. And um, and that's the nature of the Christian life. It it is not about you know, just remaking our schools and making them better or yeah, right, exactly. better or whatever. Those are all things that, you know, that it's important to do, but but it isn't about that is not the essence of the Christian gospel. And uh and that that's the the thing that we've lost, I think, in these days of the mega well, church. Well yeah, and I think just commenting on that as well, you know, you said in the context of the apocalypse and the good news of Jesus Christ, his gospel, there is no gospel mm-hmm. if there's no apocalypse. And so you're talking yeah. about the method and the end point. End point mm-hmm. is coming before God face to face, whether we receive the, in, in, in our, the judgments on our individual life, yeah. we die, we go before him, yeah. or we all get raptured, or Jesus comes back. Right. But nonetheless, whatever mm-hmm. the bottom line is, the bottom line is we all will give an account of ourselves before God individually. Indeed. And, and yeah. that will be our day of reckoning. And so Jesus yeah. was talking about not only the good news of blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit, mm-hmm. blessed are those who get persecuted mm-hmm. now. And, and believe you me, I know, I see a lot of our, our the true believers getting just the, the snot beat out of them, literally. <laughs> I mean, spiritually speaking, okay. it has just yes. been ramping uh-huh. up like unbelievable. And I think that is That's because of the persecution and Satan is saying, I want to sift them. 
I want to see if I can yep. sift him as wheat because that's what he did with with uh, he petitioned the Lord for for Peter and mm-hmm. I'm sure for Job yep. and I'm sure for Abraham and I'm sure for all of us because Satan knows his time is short. He's looking for a way to find a crack, a flaw, a fault, a way yeah. to break us. But we're all God's workmanship and we're going to do just fine. But the thing is, you know, yes. the apocalypse, the coming and the good news are married together. His coming Indeed. is good news, you know. Absolutely. Uh, that's what, what gives us the, the drive, the energy to put away all the foolish pursuits of this world and just pers- drive towards that, that one thing, which is the harvest and letting people yeah. know. I mean, that's what makes it that's make right. sense. Right. A, yes. a new body. <laughs> glorified, being glorified, you know, there, there's a lot to look forward to. <laughs> Go ahead, Jerry, I'm sorry. Right, well, yeah, that's really what, you know, we talk about, you know, the full gospel. You know, we got, you know, we got Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, the the, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, um, and, uh, you know, putting a faith in that, in him, but we have to keep going you know, that he's at the right hand of the Father. He's sent the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit to enable his his followers. But he yes. is he is coming again and there is a, a kingdom coming. So uh so the the full gospel has to has to include that as you point out so well. It has yeah. to include the coming of the Lord. It has to include that hey there that's part of the good news that this Mm-hmm. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and yeah. of His Christ, yeah. and He shall reign forever and ever. Well, yeah. That is good, Indeed. good news, and and uh, it's not good news for those that are so uh, attached or uh, brainwashed right. to, to, by they haven't the bought into of this the, yeah. present evil well, they, age. They have not invested in yeah. this kingdom of God. But you know, talking about good things that are coming, there's also the promise of rewards and and. Um, one of them is listed in uh, Luke 18, where Jesus is talking. And Peter says in verse 28, See, we have left all and followed you. So he's yeah. saying basically, what's in it for me? What are we going to get out of this? So <laughs> exactly. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children or for my sake, for the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come, everlasting life. So there's going to be a, re- yeah. a restoration of those things. And I think the biggest, most important thing, I think the thing that's going to bring my eyes to tears is the mm. restoration and vindication of justice. Um, I mm. just see people yes. all the time getting ripped off, robbed, slammed, uh, lied yeah. to, just beat up, beat up, spiritually beat up constantly. And, and it's so wrong. And yet it just seems to go on. And there's so much going on. These And the enemy is oh, targeting, yeah. targeting the people yeah. of God. And I'll tell you what, I have ran into more spirits of Jezebel and witchcraft in the last three weeks than I care to name. Ooh. Because that Ooh. seems to be out yeah. on the prowl again, setting, yes. dividing congregations, setting families up in opposition, uh, making people have difficult times in their workplaces. And these spirits are out to hammer and pound the believers yep. so that they will shut up that they will be down on their uh, you know down on the ground they will not rise yep. up and declare the truth of the gospel so they won't be able or very right. um, well equipped to go into the harvest field yep resist the devil and he will flee from you and, and yeah, all too often he, we are not we are not resisting 
Yeah. <laughs> we're just I, I, rolling it, over and playing dead. Well, you resist the devil. He may try to beat you up a little bit, too. But. Right, right. <laughs> but just, just yeah. uh, as uh, um, uh, just uh, Acts 24, 24 and 25, very interesting here. Uh, I mean, just, just again, another text just affirming what you bring out so well in, in your book there. Uh, and he said, and after certain days, Felix came with his wife, uh, Drusilla, which was a Jewess. He sent for Paul, and he heard him concerning the faith in Jesus Christ. Now, yes. the faith, that would be the body of doctrine, the cross, the resurrection, the, the gospel mm-hmm. presentation. Okay? Mm-hmm. And yes. look at what's included with that, verse 25. And is he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, mm-hmm. and judgment to come? Yes. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. I, when I have a convenient season, I will call. So he, he yeah. rejects that. But according to this, that included in the faith mm-hmm. in Christ, included in the gospel message, yes. Paul brought this righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. So there there it is. Right. Again, just included. But I want to. Uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. There and then I want to I want to throw another one at you here, okay? Yeah. Uh, 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 and uh, if you could comment on this, I want to read from Luke seventeen, um, twenty and twenty one. Uh, and okay. when he when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, "The kingdom of God cometh not with observation." Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Um, yeah. I'm throwing that at yeah. you. In light of what we've been talking about here, uh, how, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's, there's certainly a, uh, there's one of the verses that is, you know, is interpreted some really dramatically distinct in different ways. Um, I believe that the, that the, that the dispensational, uh, school of teaching regarding the presentation of the kingdom to Israel and then the sort of uh, if withdrawal of that presentation, that there was a time where, you know, the Lord began to, uh, you know, basically withdraw the kingdom as it was presented to Israel. I think, I, I believe that what he was saying in this passage was, you know, that it's not like you should go off looking in the desert for the Messiah or looking over there for the Messiah. Behold, you know, the Messiah is right here in your midst. <laughs> I'm here. Hello. Wake up. Yeah. You know, and and um and so I think it was a uh you might say a subtle way of presenting himself to uh to the leaders of Israel and saying, I am here in your midst. Now there are others like kind of that classic liberal uh, Matthew Fox, I think, that talked about it as well. You know, what that really says is that the kingdom of God is just the spirit of God sort of within you, uh, and from that they branch over to the New Age teaching that, the you know, that this being sort of a spiritual person and having sort of a spiritual impulse within you, that that's what it means to be a Christian. And, you know, my view is that that might work really well for an Eastern mystic, for a Buddhist uh but it's not at all what Christianity teaches about the nature of God and the nature of humankind. And, uh, and so you know, that's why I'm saying there's a widely divergent school.
school of uh, different schools of thought and interpreting it, but I I believe it was Jesus presenting himself to uh, to Israel and saying that that the King uh, the Messiah had come, and of course uh, they were rejecting him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were also kind of looking for that King in a very specific kind of way. Yeah, um, very different. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. the thing is, but and again, the kingdom of God is within you. I believe that the kingdom of God, um, through the Holy Spirit, now um, there is a, a revelation of the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit to us individually. Though sometimes, and even at this point, they may not were not seeing any observations at the time, because he knew they had to go through all of the the Roman militaristic, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, and all kinds of things, and that wasn't going to be the end. That wasn't going to be the return of the Messiah, the Lord. But even even for us now, I think the unlocking or the decoding of these signs has to come through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So we yes. don't have to run here and there and everywhere to try to find him. Uh, or you know. But now, still, yep. there are signs. There are legitimate signs that, that are not coincidences. They're not coincidental. They can't be just blown off as well it's just another blood moon or it's just another super moon or right. it's just another right. constellation of virgo and and jupiter and blah 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 you know th- right. those things are there's no such thing as a coincidence of, with anything yeah. um we all yeah. like to say well it's just good luck bad luck fate coincidence or aliens but it's not it, everything right. has to submit itself to the sovereignty of God, and so God is yeah. the the one who orders and orchestrates all this stuff. But people, I believe, will be purposely um, blinded because of what they believe, or but yeah. because of what they don't want to see or or believe. Yeah, it's the, that's the strong delusion, right? That that shall come upon them uh, because they've basically rejected uh, the gospel and they've rejected the truth about Jesus Christ, and so God shall send upon them a strong delusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's yeah. sort of an old teaching. I had a teacher back in my college days that, you know, said, you know, God kind of does give you the desires of your heart, like the, you know, the psalm says. But if you have to be careful what you wish for, because <laughs> if your desires are to continue to reject God, uh, then eventually, uh, you know, God will allow you to reject Him. He he pointed out. He said, if you go back and you look at the teaching about uh, Pharaoh and Moses. And, um, you know, and it, it says eventually it says that, you know, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. But he says, if you look at the scriptures back in, in Exodus, you're going to see Pharaoh hardened his own heart three or four times before yes. finally God hardened his heart. God permitted it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of Pharaoh has no segue into this, but we do have a caller on the line. And uh, oh, good. That, okay. was, that wasn't a very good segue, but maybe it'll no, all work that's out. Okay. Hopefully. This person will will have something much much better to, to say what than what Carol said. What a segue! <laughs> yeah, what a segue! Speaking, Hard to speaking of Carol, I'll, I'll be the Israelite instead. How uh, about that? Okay. Well, welcome to the show. What, what's your Hi comedy? guys. Hi. What's your well, comment or your question? I've spent this past weekend doing two things, which coincide with the subject. Okay. I watched videos on the Jezebel spirit, and mm. also I watched YouTube videos on is Obama the Antichrist. Mm. Um, and um, the there's you know many different things that are out there, and some you know feel more legitimate. But there started to be a theme with the Obama thing that I noticed mm. throughout. 
the videos, but one of the Bible verses that I thought was very interesting was um, Luke 10, verse 18, where it says, Jesus said the Antichrist was like a flash of lightning falling from heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and apparently all the scholars said that in Hebrew, and I can't do it with the proper Hebrew right. accent, but is it... Huh? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think I know where you're going. Keep going. <laughs> right. It sounds like Flash sounds like Barack, yeah. Barack. and Obama uh-huh. sounds like lightning. And yeah. Jesus only used lightning two other times, um, right. and neither one of them were – I don't remember those verses, but neither one of those were good either. Um, uh-huh. So I thought that, you know, that's interesting, and it also kind of, you know, hearkens the whole – um, you know, and a lot of the prophecies were saying in different, you know, because I was listening to a lot of different stuff, but, you know, that right. this country hasn't repented. And, you know, mm-hmm. the overall theme is no matter when Jesus is coming, you know, and when you hear when I'm speaking to friends or people, some people say, well, there's no way of knowing or you'll you'll just find out when it happened. But God mm-hmm. calls us to be one of the five virgins with the oil. And mm, so... Yeah. Yes. That's what this show is about, and that's mm-hmm. what the Red Moons are about, I think, are yep. being, you, it's like a ruler kind of helping you, you know, discern so that you have the, the oil there and you're not caught yeah. in the middle of the night asleep. And yeah. the middle yeah. of the night, to me, is the darkness. And um, I just had some very big revelations in the last two months and one of them margie mm-hmm. helped me with and the other one i haven't mm-hmm. told her about yet but it was <laughs> she'll get to hear it but yeah. the thing is is that i was so surprised in my own life and what i want to share is like with the jezebel spirit is there was some women that spoke horrible words over me that caused huge problems and almost caused me to die and all kinds of things and I couldn't see it until we got through some of the other things that I could see. And then there, these women came to my mind and they were lesbian witches. And then Mm. just now I had this other large scenario that's been on my heart for 17 years and been a big struggle. And we were praying through all the things that I knew for this person's salvation, trying to get to their salvation and all the the blocks Mm -hmm. and the walls. And these were so many Jezebel spirit women, one woman. And the thing is, is that I do feel like people understand like a man who's violent or somebody who's a man who's being controlling. It's, it's so much easier for people to see. But the mm-hmm. thing that's so insidious, as Margie was saying that she'd been dealing with a lot of Jezebel spirits, is mm-hmm. it's so much more the woman – thing and it's not always a woman but it's so much more insidious and less obvious that it it makes it a lot harder and you know once again I got through all these things that I knew of and then there was the person who started it who I never thought of so Mm -hmm. the 17 years never came up on my radar Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, a lot of times you know, the, uh, the 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 sweetness of the woman, and a lot of times even as we've listened to some of the videos, and I don't know if they're the ones you're referring to, but um, the woman or the Jezebel carrier will come up to the leader 
and offer to be a, a, an armor bearer or support them in prayer. That's in the church end of it. I mean, they'll use the language that they need to use to get next to the, the power person. Yep. But a lot yep. of times you just, like you're saying, uh, it, it's not an obvious violent kind of someone, oh, no, we got to right. stay away from this person. It's more of a, oh, yeah, come into the inner circle and, yeah, we'll just let yeah. you in on everything. And in, behind the scenes, they're just like the girl with the divination spirit in Acts 16, 16. She was saying the right things. These are the men of the Most High God. Uh, but at the same time, she was also stirring up confusion in the ranks because if if she was endorsing Paul, was Paul endorsing her? Because she was mm-hmm. doing the divination thing on the weekend and the fortune telling, and of course she's hooking her wagon to his. And so does it look like then he is now also uh, guilt by association and endorsing fortune telling. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we get in those very compromising situations. And I don't really know how that exactly hooks in with the and except the fact that I know that the Jezebels have been sent out to split mm-hmm. and distract. And um, yeah. so if they're just, you know, it's politic. It's all about political power and play, and uh, you know, the, the Ahabs making Ahabs out of our our leaders and um, wimps, and instead of warriors, and, and so it's it's quite an effective tool. And like you said, uh, it's not very noticeable. It's really not well, what, noticeable at all. Yeah, very deceptive. Well, well, to bring it into the end times and to ask your guest his opinion is how I kind of got onto this Jezebel spirit thing is I was it was going to sound ridiculous but I had started a long time ago several months back doing a bible study on prostitutes and whores because one of the reasons was in revelations it talks about on top of the ten-headed monster coming out of the sea Mm -hmm. there is the prostitute and this seems to be something that the church is completely I've never heard anyone spoke on, and I it kind of mesmerized me. I was like, you know, everybody always talks about the ten heads, but right. there's one prostitute, and it's coming yeah, the out the woman of, that rides the beast, right? And I think that that is the Jezebel spirit. And the thing is, when you bring it into this whole ISIS thing and all of that, it all ties in oddly because. When you go back and into way back history, the Jezebel spirit was possibly the wife of Nimrod, who yes, was a prostitute. That's the same. Yeah. And she. And the problem is that when you get to the Babylon time, every god gave different languages, and then that those people and all those false religions that got started in that sphere got all these different yep. names. And one of the names, I believe, if I'm not mm-hmm. incorrect. For the female side of it, which would go to the prostitute woman, would be Isis is one of the six names or yeah. five, whatever. Right. So the yeah. thing in is... It's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. In, in mythology, if I, I might go ahead and, and uh, attempt to maybe answer that part at least, is that, yeah, that if, if one studies um, this sort of uh, mother-infant cult uh, it appeared to start with, uh, I believe it was Tammuz, who was the supposed mother of Nimrod, as well as his wife, um, which, of course, was one of the great horrific, you know, incestuous things about Nimrod. Um, and But it, it works its way down into um, a, a number of other, you know, mythologies, Europa, uh, mm-hmm. Isis, uh, um, oh, Estar, Estar, from which Easter mm-hmm. is named after. 
um, you know, so you see Isis and Osiris. Uh, so it is a it is a common thread, and we even see it really in in Rome with Libertas, the Statue of Liberty. Uh, all of these tend to harken back to this this female god that appears to be um, yes the mother of Nimrod, the mother of fortresses, also known as Sybil. Uh, I have a picture in one of my books where Sybil is wearing this crown uh, that looks like towers uh, on walls, and, and it actually is, according to Hislop, it is the the towers of Babel, the walls of Babel, and uh, Sybil was known as the, the, the queen of fortresses. That's why mm-hmm. also the Antichrist is known as the god of, the, he worships the god and kind of goddess of fortresses, and uh, and that's what Hislop talks about. And so, yeah, getting back to your your point, though, yes, mystery Babylon. Um, most scholars tend to believe that the woman that rides the beast is not the is not just the, the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church is one instance. It's a major instance, and it's one that continues in our day. But it is uh, only one instance of a common world religion. The Queen of Heaven, Jeremiah talks about and uh, about uh, making cakes for the Queen of Heaven. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, so it, that appears to be Mystery Babylon. It's this world religious system that rides on top of the political system uh, known as you know Babylon, Babylon the Great, the city, which I believe is both a city, a nation, and a world system. Uh, I happen to believe that the city is is the megalopolis around New York, Washington D.C. The country is the United States, but the world system is is essentially sort of the Gentile world system that has stood opposed to Jerusalem, which represents represents the the city of God. Um, and so uh, that that is mystery Babylon. That's my interpretation of the woman that rides the beast. Well, and you do have the Statue of Liberty there, which... Yes, Libertas. Right, right, which was a Masonic gift, not a gift from the governments like we were taught in school. Well, no, you know, yeah, a, the French, yeah, a, a French but it nation, was a uh, it was a, yeah, yeah. French. Yes. But, you know, the thing is that you're what you're just seeing is little pieces of the one world system, the the God of this world and his system. It's it's all yep. it's permeated throughout from the very beginning. He's had one agenda and that is to be yes. God, to see himself as God, and it has never mm-hmm. gone away. It's taken different forms, different names, uh, but always the same uh intelligence behind it, and that is Satan. And um he, he I I I just wrote a an article, a blog, it's called uh Human DNA and and the and Satan's End Games. Um, yeah. And I think part of Satan's end game is to, number one, he knows his time is short and he does not want to go into the bottomless pit. And so he is trying desperately to create for himself uh, suitable habitations, uh, humans or things, vessels that maybe look like humans, maybe more advanced than humans that he yes. can dwell in that have no souls. And the second thing he wants to do is get rid of the toxic humans because those are the carriers of Jesus Christ. And so yeah. he wants a nice, peaceful utopia with or without humans, preferably without and definitely without the Christians. So th- this is part of his... We have to keep in mind that there's a battle going on between God and Satan. Mm-hmm. Now we know God wins and has won, but we're still caught in this little bit of 
you know, the end games. And, and so um, if you take Satan out of the process, then nothing makes any sense. If you put him back in, then you can see everything. Like you're talking the, the Statue of Liberty, uh, the dollar bill, um, ISIS, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the mystery ballot. Right. They all, right. They're all there. They're all there. Yep. You know, yep, yep. Playing their part. No, it, it, it is the mystery of lawlessness. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> my dear, for your comments. And um, if you have any other insights. Yeah, you very can... good thoughts. Thank I you. would say that my request before you guys close would be to say a prayer over this nation that the judgment wouldn't be any harsher than it has to be, that yeah. it's written, and that the believers would be protected, and that people would wake up, and that, yes. you know, that people would get on fire and realize the time is short and start doing things with their friends and family that they've been planting seeds with for a long time. Yep. Yep. And Absolutely. because the time is running out, and, you know, um, That's a very good yeah. request. Well, we'll okay. do that, my dear. And speaking of that, you've now given me a segue into the last part of the show uh, about oh. time, <laughs> timing. Okay. You know, we have a few minutes left, Doug, and I would love to. I know yeah. nobody wants to set any dates. Nobody wants to say, well, you you alluded to some of this a little bit earlier about right. the, um, uh, the, is this the beginning of, uh, of the seven-year tribulation? Um, when right. will that start? We we really don't know, and I don't want to put you on the spot. Sure. At all, That's but right. do you have any? Um, it seems to me like, according to the way the the thing looks with the blood moons and the what was that? Shemit, Shemit, the Shemitah, Shemitah, Shemitah. Shemitah. new word for me, yeah. Shemitah. Yeah, um, seven that, years. And, yeah, that in all of these things, and I know that God, He's got His red marker out, and He circles certain calendar dates, and I know that He right. doesn't miss a feast day, and I know He has them from the foundation of the world. He had design these right. feasts to mean something, and there's like the three or four that are needing to be yet fulfilled, and the, the ones yes. left are Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot and uh, Feast of Tabernacles and Trumpets, or Trumpets is Rosh Hashanah. Right. So right. what do you see in terms of, um, I'm looking, I have, I'm holding a paper in my hands, it's called Eight Super Signs in the Heavens, and it takes us <laughs> up to yeah. 17, or 2017 with, again, the return of Virgo clothed with the sun, which would maybe be yes. Revelation 12.1, um, right. And then I that appears on Rosh Hashanah, yeah. September of that year, um, where that right. constellation and those planets all line up again. And those were the same planets and stars that were in the initial coming of Jesus Christ. So could these mean something about second coming? Um, then yes. we're coming into the, the, the anniversary of Israel's independence in 2018. And... Um, mm-hmm. And isn't that the well, generation? The mandate years? really was in in seventieth anniversary, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, you've got. Uh, I think it is significant. Um, certainly, most of the uh, of the folks that I would say are sort of colleagues and in the writer researcher community that study prophecy mm-hmm. quite a lot. Um, and and I think this is true not just in the current generation, but even the previous generation that there's. There has always been a, a belief that the uh, the Judaic calendar, the Hebrew calendar, is in fact the uh, sort of the chronology, the, the timeline of the Lord, and that um, just as the in the spring festivals, um, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, um, the you know, Feast of the First Fruits, eventually Pentecost, that that these holidays, uh, that Jesus fulfilled these. On the specific days in which those those days occurred, in his uh, in his final week, you know, the Passion Week, 
Um, and likewise, and this certainly is uh, what Mark Biltz talks about, what Jonathan Kahn talks about, that uh, the fall feast days really are the feast days that correspond to the the coming of the the Messiah and in, in a triumphal uh, conquering, you know, the conquering Messiah, and uh, that Rosh Hashanah was, uh, you know, historically viewed as the day of, the, of Adam's creation, and it will be the day of resurrection. It could well be the day of rapture and resurrection. Uh, Yom Kippur is the day of judgment, and could well be the the judgment of uh, of the time of Christ's physical return. Uh, the ten days that I believe it's ten days that separate the uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that they're known as ten, ten days of awe. That that these could be fulfilled. That uh, you know there's some that believe that perhaps the rapture and resurrection occurs ten days later. You know then the the physical visible return of Christ occurs. Um, the the Feast of Booze, the Feast of Tabernacles, um, talks about the, the really the beginning of God dwelling with humankind, uh, kicking off in effect the the millennial reign of uh, of the Messiah. Uh, the Feast of Dedication. Uh, my brother Doug Krieger, who co-wrote Babylon with me along with Dean McGriff, uh, he talks about that he believes the Feast of Dedication that there is a, a process, and even though the Feast of uh, Tabernacles begins the millennium, it really is the Feast of Dedication that's the, the 45 days later, if I'm not mistaken, as Daniel oh. talks about, 1335 days, that is the time in which the temple is purified, the the Messiah mm-hmm. is anointed, um, and uh, and so all of these dates tend to correspond to the the actual fulfillment of the the second coming and all the events surrounding that. Mm-hmm. So um, so that is it is my belief that these will correspond to those days. I think that the the jubilee uh, supposedly 1967 was a jubilee year. Uh, 2017 will be uh, a jubilee year, jubilee. and uh, so there's there's a thought that it could well be that this is when the you know that the it could, in fact, be 2017, 2018 time frame as we look at the Gregorian calendar. Um, you know, is it is it possible that we are ready to enter into the the Great Tribulation, or or have already that we may see you know the, the rapture there, you know, uh, occur at any moment, and that the, the Lord may return to set up His kingdom in 27, 2018. There's there's some strong arguments for that. There's actually a presentation I saw. Uh, Margie and Jerry that was done in 2005 by a gentleman um, I think it's called the 70th week of Daniel and it's out there on the internet but he actually zeroes in ironically uh, fascinating on March 22nd 2013 and he was predicting this approximately 10 years ahead of time that it would be the date in which the Messiah excuse me which the Antichrist uh, appeared in Jerusalem and of course, as we mm-hmm. talked about earlier, that is yep. when our president appeared in Jerusalem. Uh, there was a giant ice statue made of him, and, uh, and he spoke to the Knesset and was just barely kept from going up onto the Temple Mount the last moment for fear of, uh, you know, of uh, potentially creating a, a ruckus. So, mm. you know, that too was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. Uh, on the other hand, I'd say there's there's reasons to suspect that um, that these dates aren't the dates that we're still looking at, you know, perhaps another seven, another ten, ten years, perhaps before, um, you know, the, the Lord's return. That 
uh, you know, 2017, 2018 could be begin the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time of the Lord's return could be in the time frame of 2024. Uh, Doug Krieger, um, in his book, Signs in the Heavens and on the Earth, uh, provides a pretty astounding correction to Bishop James Usher's uh, chronology that lays out the the actual beginning or the creation of Adam in 3975, not in 404 BC, and uh, actually shows that you know that that this would correlate to 2024 in our Gregorian calendar. So there's mm-hmm. you know there's a pretty interesting argument that Doug Krieger has put together on this. So people might want to read that book's fascinating anyway because Doug talks. So in about other words, we're like 39 years off or something. Uh, well, <laughs> Usher Usher was. What it works out to is that 2024 is exactly 6,000 years since the creation oh, of that? Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's the, the view that the millennium is the, the, the you know the seventh 1,000 year period, and this doesn't mean that you know those of us that believe that don't necessarily believe the Earth is only 6,000 years old. Um, mm-hmm. There's certainly many folks that do. Um, I mm-hmm. happen to be a gap theorist, and so I don't, but. But I believe that Adam and Eve were created literally by the hand of God uh, mm-hmm. about 6,000 years ago. So even yeah. though I believe the world could be 4 billion years old or something. So mm-hmm. so yeah. long story short, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to believe we're getting really close. Um, you know, I, I could probably close these verses from Mark 13, 35. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, or even yeah. uh, at even or at midnight, or at the crocodile, or in the morning. And likewise... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the verses from Matthew, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Mm-hmm. So watching is, watchfulness is an absolute essential part of uh, of discipleship, of obeying the teaching of yeah. our Lord, and, uh, you know, really staying on our toes because you mm-hmm. can come back at any time. Yeah. Well, if you think about the one thing that's on the heart of God, the most important thing, um, and even in the heart of Jesus is the harvest. Mm-hmm. And if you look yes. at the, the condition of the harvest right now, uh, it's a mess. It's They're rotting in the field. <laughs> they don't yes, have a clue. And there's very few people out there who are even interested in going into the harvest. No. Um, right, so the Lord of the harvest, and he will send harvesters out into yeah, the harvest. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. whether our time is short. And the other thing, going back to the very beginning before we pray here, but the very the point yeah. is, if there is no urgency in the in the harvesters, if there's no urgency, you know, growing right. up on a farm, you know, there was, the harvest was it. You had put all, mm-hmm. invested all your time, your yeah. money, thousands and mm-hmm. thousands of dollars worth of seeds into these fields. Right. You prayed through, yep. you're taking these tremendous risks against hail and rain yeah. and drought. And, whatnot. and when that precious harvest came, you worked night and day to, and the yeah. harvest couldn't harvest itself. You had to go That's out right. there with your equipment, and you—it was priority. And and unfortunately, um, yes. the harvest doesn't resist the combine like these little sheaves resist many times. <laughs> but um, no, I, so I'm almost tempted to ask you to start writing some books to help us to um, deal with the the incredible, insidious counterfeiting. When we go to the pagan festivals, for example, the amount of arguments, the, the disconnect, the fantasies, yeah. fables, and arguments. Uh, one kid, he is a pastor's son, and he said, well, it's just like every other fable. It's just a fable. It's just a story. You know, this yeah. the story of God is just like every other story, and he just couldn't get off that. I mean, it wasn't—we eventually—he broke a little bit, but 
the thing is, there's so, you know, the movies, the the Hollywood, yeah. the the TV, the everything mm-hmm. is, and the video games, everything is so shut down. Human beings' abilities to discern good from evil or or safe from oh, yeah. dangerous. So yeah. you got a book in mind about yeah. that, man? Yeah. How about <laughs> well, the uh, yeah. defabilizing de- of America? Yeah, there you go. And a plan yeah. because because well, defabilizing. There's a good yeah. word for you. Yeah, he yeah. says Second uh, yeah. Timothy four four. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Yeah. But he yeah. said, uh, you know, so I mean, yeah. we really see that among the generation, and yeah. so by God's grace, we're uh, working with others to mobilize, uh, mobilize, <laughs> bring the truth. Uh, Paul told Timothy, preach the word. But uh, yeah. and um, signs and wonders have got to follow because yeah, they, they just don't believe exactly. anything else. So, so if you okay. Here you yeah, are. I'm, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm putting yeah. yourself. I'm putting you on the spot here. Okay. Oh, well, haven't say, you been say, doing that all well, night? Yeah. That, that, Mark, you just did that while well ago. I guess why, why you not there? My, my concepts think... about years. <laughs> yeah. Right. That was you. Did you? You got good through that one. <laughs> why do you think we have you on here, Doug? <laughs> but no. You didn't uh, think what? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Say if you have. Uh, uh, I want. Uh, uh, Say so you've got one minute yeah. to speak to. A, say you've got a congregation before you right now, and you've yeah. got yeah. you've got one minute to just say what you need to say to them. What what would you what would you say to them? Mm-hmm. Boy, and if I had one minute, we, I, if we if we yeah. you we know, can give you two, but that's, we can give you two, but <laughs> we can. Uh, uh, but just in view of what we've been talking about, thinking about what you've brought out, what's what God has put in your heart Amen. and you've shared so well, um, well, what what would it be? Certainly, you know, the first thing that comes to, to mind is God be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, it's just acknowledging that, you know, that we all need God to be merciful to us and that he has been. He, you know, he gave us his son and that we have to believe upon him. We have to look upon him and trust in him. So certainly just, you know, the, the, the most basic understanding of salvation as Christians have preached it for 2,000 years, that that has to be the heart of the message. Um, you know, I'd say next is, is certainly um, forward with great anticipation. Do not be fearful, but be you know, confident and believing that, you know, that as Jesus said, you know, that, you know, that, that God is eager to give you the kingdom and he yeah. is, uh, yeah. he's, you know, he's purified us, he's cleansed us from sin and he is actually wanting to share his glory with us. So, um, there is so much to look forward to and to keep our, our chins up and our eyes, our eyes looking up as my friend Gary Stearman says, Keep our chins up because you know God is is going to deliver us. Um, I'd probably prepare people to be ready to be persecuted and to and to be ready to die for uh, what they believe because um, the persecution. You know that verse you read, Margie, about Luke 17. Um, you know that when Christ says yes, you you know all these things you will you will see great blessings many times over mm-hmm. in this world and the world to come. Mm-hmm. But he also adds one little phrase at the end, which Dietrich Bonhoeffer really points out in the cost of discipleship. He says, yes, you will receive, you know, family, wealth, and all that with With persecutions. Persecutions. (laughs) With persecutions. 
And, and so I would say be ready because the persecution is coming. Um, we don't know if that persecution is in the form of the Great Tribulation or if it's something leading up to it, but um, expect it to happen because uh, you know, the servant is not above his master. And if they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute us. And, uh, and certainly our brothers and sisters in Mosul and in Iraq, uh, many have been crucified, many have been beheaded in the last few weeks. It is a time I've heard stories that are so they just tear your hearts out with uh, with families that have lost loved ones that have been killed by ISIS. And so for the people that live in Iraq right now and in Syria, for them, this is the Great Tribulation. Um, It is a horrid time. And uh, and so we all should each night be grateful we live in America. But on the other hand, we should be praying that the Lord will will be with those brothers and sisters and deliver them um, and, you know, hasten to do so. Hopefully our government will do something helpful here uh, in the form of, of taking the pressure off. But, uh, but anyway, those would be, would be my thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. salvation, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, looking towards glorification, being yeah. very yeah. firm in that because persecution is coming and we have to look beyond the, you know, as Jesus looked beyond the, you know, the yeah. suffering that was set before him on the cross uh, you know, looking beyond that because he knew of the great inheritance that he would have with all of us that would be saved and be brought to him as, and affect his brothers and sisters. So, That's wonderful. You know, yeah, great, yeah. great. Well, listen, uh, Doug, we thank you so much for being here with us this evening. Well, oh, thank can you. Give you. It, give can it, I- it, Give I was going to ask for a, can I do a real fast plug on my Yes, conference? please. That's what yes. we want. We, we want your a, website. A Con- conference. Yes, the oh, website. Yeah. Love people to go to theprophecyforum.com, theprophecyforum.com, and www.theprophecyforum.com, and read about Prophecy Conference. We are pleased to, to announce that this will be in uh, Columbus, Ohio, November 14 and 15. Uh, keynote speakers are going to be Bill Koenig, who is the Washington correspondent, Watch.org, uh, sits in the press you know, room with all of the press members, uh, listening to the press secretary and the president, uh, travels all over the world on you know, Air Force One and so forth. Mm-hmm. He will be speaking. Bill Silas will be speaking, who's uh, been famous you know, talking about uh, Psalm 83 as well as Stein, a new book out on uh, Elam, the prophecies of Elam, the coming war. Uh, with Iran, and uh, and so he will be there. I will be speaking. John Haller, who uh, does a phenomenal job leading the congregation in Columbus, will be there. Doug Krieger, uh, Gonz Shimura, Gonzo Shimura, who's uh, uh, produced a movie called The Age of Deceit, Age of Deceit 2. Age of Deceit's already had over 3 million downloads. Uh, good mm. friend Gary Winkleman will be there, has a unique story to tell. So this will be happening November 14, 15. You can register either to be present in person or to have the main tent sessions live streamed. And so we'd love to have uh, people come, and we hope that Margie and Jerry can come too. Yes. Um, and and bring a contingent from your church. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we will. So, we would uh, love to do that. Yeah. Then we have to we, stay yeah. at your place, We'd though, love Doug. To have you. <laughs> yeah, we can yeah, all stay well, at your place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We need to get John no, Howard and, and bring... his, his wife Pam to do that, you know. And tell us your website, too, your, your personal yes, website for personal, all the contact on your books. Personal website is, yes, is faith-happens.com, faith-happens.com. And you can also find me, just do a search on Doug at DougWoodward.com. 
or go to Amazon, look for the S, as in Stephen S. Douglas Woodward, S. Douglas Woodward store. And uh, any books that you buy from my Amazon store, I sign them before I send them to you, just like you guys are getting a signed book for me tomorrow in, in the card yeah. mail envelope. You're welcome. Whoa. I'm so excited. And so, yeah, I just mm-hmm. love what we've covered tonight. You've been, you're, you kind of bring a, a breath of refreshing clarity to uh, everybody's hyper non-intelligent well, statements. You. I mean, they're just kind of ranting and raving and ignoring and barking <laughs> at the wrong tree. You know, and it's just kind of... Let's, un- stay centered, <laughs> let's stay centered on the most important message. Yes. Isn't that important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, well, we got to pray. It's time to quit, but we got to... Let's do. Let's do. Let's pray. Pastor Father. Jerry should. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Lord, thank you so much for this time this evening. Lord, we thank you for those that have uh, listened live tonight and those who will be uh, listening in the archives in the days to come. Lord, I just thank you that in this time, in this season that's so critical and so urgent, Lord, that we will that we will just have uh, such a love for you and such an intensity for you, Lord God, that we will just worship you, hear your voice, realize that in these these are the days of of great opportunity, great stress, but yet great opportunity. We say, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I ask just for Doug and his family, Lord God, I pray that your strength and your grace will be with them in fresh measures each day, each moment. May your peace and your protection and grace be upon them. Lord, and for the conference and all the speakers coming up here in November, we pray that this will be a powerful time that will have effects of, of transformation throughout the entire nation. And uh, thank you so much. We just pray that this, this time tonight will bring forth good fruit that will remain for your kingdom's sake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, folks, for letting me come on your program. I appreciate it oh, so much. What a blessing we you are. We are totally privileged oh, and blessed. You. Thank you so oh, much. No. We love well, you. Thank you. Brother. And yes. Lord willing, we'll, we'll try to get there. We'll, we'll yeah, pray and see if we can pull it off. you and introduce you yeah. to everyone. And I don't know if yeah. you've had a chance to meet Bill Salas or Bill Koenig. Uh, love to introduce you to them. And and uh, we're going to have an incredible time. We've got a lot of other other surprises in terms yes. of other things that are going to happen, other people. We're going to hope to have a presentation from a couple of guys in Israel, a uh, live presentation that, you know, being piped in from the awesome. Internet. So we've got all kinds of cool things planned. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be yeah. a great experience. And so, what's – it's Columbus, did you say? Yeah, it's, it's Dublin, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. Right. And a okay. uh, beautiful facility there. And, and uh, Friday afternoon and all day Saturday, November 14 and 15. All right. Oh, okay. we'll, be looking well, God bless to you, it. and uh, we'll be yeah, watching the moon you. in a couple of a couple of weeks. We'll be thinking about you. Yeah, all right. We'll tell everybody in, in the congregation that I said hi. All right. I will. We all will right. Do God that. bless you and good night. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Good night. Bye bye. I have an emergency. What is your location? 